Our second scripture lesson today comes from the third chapter of Paul's letter to the Galatian church, starting at the 23rd verse. Listen now for Paul's word to the church in Galatia and to Second Presbyterian today. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ are clothed in Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs to the promise. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? May the words in my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. My role as one of the youth ministers here at Second Presbyterian recently gave me the absolute privilege to accompany 16 of our beautiful, wonderful, amazing youth and five other awesome leaders to Montreat. Now, you may have heard about all of the bonding that took place between the youth and between the leaders. You may also have heard about the way God made God's self known to the youth and to the leaders alike in new and profound ways. What you likely have not heard, however, is that on Thursday, July 14th, I did something, me, so awkward, so strange, so bizarre that the event will likely be etched into the memory of one of our very important denominational leaders for a long, long time. Early in the week, Gail and I were walking from the bookstore when, by happenstance, we ran into Bruce Ray's Chow, who is the former moderator of the PCUSA and was the preacher our week at Montreat. Now, Gail did a phenomenal job of keeping her composure as she introduced me to Bruce because Bruce is an acquaintance of hers. I, however, was absolutely starstruck. I didn't know what to say. Bruce Ray's Chow is an amazing person of faith. He has an exciting vision for the future of the church, not only our beloved denomination, but for the church total. While others are saying that the future of the church is bleak because of technology and disconnectedness and post-denominationalism, Bruce sees a future. He sees the possibility to call people into a community of faith in new and exciting ways. I follow Bruce on Facebook and on Twitter, and meeting him was truly a humbling experience for me. As Gail and I talked to Bruce on the sidewalk, my eyes were big like saucers, Gail asked Bruce if he would come to dinner, and Bruce said yes. Bruce Ray's Chow is coming to dinner at our house. What was I going to (laughs) wear? I I admire this person. This person's vision for the denomination and the future of the church excites me. This kind of passion feeds my soul. I wanted this person to know me and see my passion as well. Thus, I formulated a plan. See, friends, I know how this works. When Bruce came to dinner, I was going to be super cool. 
I was going to be witty. I was going to be, you know, suave. Bruce and I were going to share a grand theological discussion regarding ecclesiology and the future of the church in a post-denominational world. After this, Bruce and I were to be best friends forever. We were going to have lifetime conversations about Jesus, about God, about the future of the church. But like many well-intended but far-fetched plans, things didn't exactly actualize the way I had anticipated. Instead of engaging Bruce in a very thoughtful theological discourse, instead of being cool and suave, instead of being witty, I contorted my body to look like a crab. Let me explain. Throughout the week, I had begun each devotion with the youth by telling a story about an animal and then demonstrating my flexibility and yoga training by contorting my body to look like that animal. I know this sounds strange, but let me give you an example. I would say something like, once upon a time, I went to the zoo in Asheboro, North Carolina, and I saw a gorilla, and I was inspired. So I would contort my body to look like a gorilla, and I would walk around, and I would beat my chest, and I would eat a banana, and the youth had an absolute hoot with this. So as I deduced that my plan to be Bruce's BFF with intellectual conversation, it wasn't working. So one of the youth suggested that I do the crab for Bruce. The crab was one of the animal poses that I had done in the week. Without hesitation, without even a shudder, I hit the ground, and I contorted my body to look like a strange crab, nervous human hybrid. Bruce seemed more curious than impressed, and I felt a little more embarrassed than suave. After this epic evening, one of my good friends, Charles Kelly, who was also one of the other leaders, posted on Bruce's Twitter wall that he had just had dinner with Bruce Ray's Chow and that this was amazing. Well, Bruce replied to this. He replied to this Twitter post with one word, C-R-A-B, crab, crab, that's it, crab. Bruce didn't remember how cool or suave I was, or at least tried to be. He remembered a body contortion. That's not who I am. When I read crab on the computer screen, I immediately thought, wait, Bruce, that wasn't me. I'm a person of faith. I have passion for the church, for God, for this denomination. Did you not see that? It had appeared that I wanted so badly to enter into a friendship with Bruce that I felt that I needed to be something that I wasn't in order to do so. Now, friends, to be quite honest, I'm not all that cool. I'm not all that suave. And I'm certainly not a crab. It seemed that I felt that I couldn't be in relationship with Bruce if I was authentic. I couldn't have a relationship with Bruce if I didn't fundamentally change certain aspects of my personality to appear more cool, more suave, and more witty, and more crab-like. The problem with appearing cool and suave and, and crab-like was that that's all he remembered. He didn't get to know me at all in that moment because I didn't allow him to. I was too concerned with trying to be what I thought Bruce would want me to be in order to be in a re- relationship with me. 
So as I was on the floor, body contorted to look like a sea crustacean, the youth were laughing and Bruce was looking confused, I had forgotten that if I was authentically me, then I was worth getting to know. I had forgotten that I was more than a crab. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt as if you couldn't be yourself in order to be in relationship with someone? Have you always been authentic when you sat on Santa Claus's lap and asked for the toy that you so badly wanted for Christmas? What about at a job interview? What about on a first date? What about the first time you met your significant other's parents? Did you feel that you could be authentic in that moment? Why do we do this? Why do we feel as if we can't be who we are to become in relationship with someone? What is comforting about this is that for centuries, people have been dealing with the very same issue. This was especially true for the congregation in our scripture lesson this morning. Our scripture lesson was from Paul's letter to the church in Galatia. And very quickly in this letter, we will notice that Paul is very perturbed at the Galatian church, a congregation of newly converted Gentile Christians, which Paul himself founded. Paul was upset that after he had preached the gospel and moved elsewhere, that the congregation started following the teachings of a mysterious group of other missionaries, which scripture is a little ambiguous about their identity, but their message was that to enter into a right relationship with God, then they must first do the Jewish law, including men being circumcised. This message directly contradicted Paul's message that one could experience God through grace and faith in Jesus Christ alone. Now, what made this situation with the Galatian congregation interesting and complex was that before converting to Christianity, the members did not follow the Jewish customs or the law. Thus, the message being preached by the other missionaries necessitated that in order for the Galatians to enter into this relationship with God, and, ex and for them to experience grace, they must first do or not do certain things according to the law. They must fundamentally change who they were. Following the other missionaries' message meant that entering into a relationship with God was not something that somebody could do in that moment. It was something that they could aspire to, depending on how they and if they responded to the law. In our scripture passage this morning, the Galatians were reminded by Paul that while the law was necessary before Christ came into the world, faith in Christ meant that people no longer had to follow these specific rules and rubrics called the law in order to enter into a right relationship with God. Paul reminded the Galatian congregation that God calls God's children to enter into relationship wherever they are on their faith journey. Entering into this relationship would certainly lead to many of the actions that were in the law, as this was God's will. But doing the law was not the means to enter into this relationship. To put it quite bluntly, the missionaries had okay news. It wasn't bad news. It was pretty okay news because the, their message gave people the opportunity, the possibility to become in relationship with God somewhere in the future. 
depending on how they responded to the law. But Paul, on the other hand, had already preached the gospel to the Galatians. And the gospel explained to the Galatian congregation that people everywhere could enter into a relationship with God and experience the same grace solely through faith in Christ, the same grace experienced through people who had followed the Jewish faith in the lineage of Abraham, a right relationship right now. This was not okay news. This was great news. This was climb a mountain and shout from the top news. And the Galatians had seemed to have forgotten this as they had apparently adopted the teachings of the other missionaries. As we read Paul's words to the Galatians, it's quite easy to isolate the situation in context to a distant past or a distant land far removed from our own context. However, in our present society, we are fundamentally being preached a similar message to that which the other missionaries preached to the Galatians. In our society, we are constantly bombarded with the idea that to become in right relationship with anything, with anybody, with ourselves, with our spouse, with our friends, with our community, we must first change something about ourselves to meet a standard. For example, the fashion world preaches the message that in order for men and women to be in right relationship with their body, then they must first fit into a certain clothing size. Thankfully, this message is accompanied by a slew of diet pills and workout regimens and body augmenting surgeries. This is still okay news to some people. At least there's a rubric to follow. At least I know to be in right relationship with my body, I must fit into a certain size. At least according to the advertisements, we know that we can enter into a right relationship with our bodies. The problem, the fundamental flaw, is that one can't enter into this relationship right now. At our jobs, with the people we meet, we may never get a chance to engage with people authentically. We may feel the need to put up facades in order to attempt to be more suave and more funny or serious or, yes, even more crab-like when that is not who we are. We are more than that. We are more than that. God relays this through the gospel. The text reminds us that God accepts and calls us into relationship wherever we are on our faith journey, where we are now. Unlike our society, unlike the message of the other missionaries in Galatia, God doesn't require that we meet certain standards before God will want to know us, before God will call us into relationship to do God's work. God doesn't require that we be skinny or rich or poor or tall or even body-contorting crabs in order to be in relationship with us. Paul reminded the Galatians and continues to remind us today that while other missionaries in our society preach okay news, Christ offers great news. God wants to be in relationship with us now. We don't have to meet a standard before God would call us into discipleship. This message still remains countercultural. It still is also easy to forget with the, all the messages all the messages that we are constantly being bombarded with. Where 
In your heart, are you longing for this good news? Wherever that is, just know that God's love is for you, wherever you are today. And God's call is for all of us to live with gratitude and faithfulness, sharing love and working for peace and kindness everywhere. May Paul's frustrated words penetrate our souls so that we may fully understand that God calls us into relationship where we are on our journey right now without meeting any requirements. May this good news be our lens for how we view entering into relationships with others, with our spouses, with our friends, with our neighbors, with ourselves. May we continually realize that we were wonderfully made and call others into authentic relationships wherever they are on their journey, just as God called us. May we not forget that we receive God's grace as a gift by faith in Christ alone, not because we were pretty enough or smart enough or good enough. As God called us into relationship without meeting any criteria, let us manifest this good news in our lives, the lives of our families, our neighbors, and throughout our world. May this be so. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, you call us into an authentic relationship, even though you know about all of our failings and shortcomings. You allow us to be honest in relationship with you. May we internalize this message and not forget that we were given grace by faith in Jesus Christ, not because we deserved it. May we make your kingdom known by calling others into authentic relationships, just as you called us in our families, in our city, and in our world. Amen.